ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930 present The Drive. Welcome in. It is the Wednesday, May 23rd edition. Your drive begins at 94.1 FM and AM 930. I'm your host, Paul Swan. This hour, we're going to get you caught up on what's happening when it comes to sports betting and what that means for you. Here in a little bit, we're going to be talking about that. Take your phone calls as well. Get you caught up on what happened last night in playoff basketball action. But Coming up later on the program, uh, I'm pretty excited about this because uh, we're really going to get into what it means now that sports betting is going to be legal. And we're going to be talking to ESPN's Doug Kazarian. He writes sports betting pieces for ESPN.com. Also, he discusses gambling on SportsCenter, co-hosts the Behind the Bets podcast. He's worked in Las Vegas for seven years, so he knows what's going on. And you might know the name because, in addition to anchoring Sports Center, Doug also co-hosts Game Day on Saturday afternoons. Plus, during the college football season, he is the main host of College Game Day on ESPN Radio. And we hear that sometimes when we don't have a Marshall broadcast. So, looking forward to talking to Doug and, of course, getting your phone calls at 877-420-TALK, 877-420-8255. And later on as well, we're going to hear a little bit from John Elmore. Of course, John's making the rounds. He's been invited to work out for more teams. So we're going to catch up with John, get a little bit of what his thoughts were as he was addressed by the media yesterday after uh, another workout. So we'll hear that here in a few minutes as well. But I want to get you caught up first on what's happening. And we start with last night. James Harden, 24 points. Chris Paul had 17 as well. And the Rockets. Take care of the Warriors and take Game Four, ninety-five to ninety-two. We've got a conference series again, don't we? So this one's going at least six and possibly seven. And speaking of seven, we have got a Game Seven in the NHL Eastern Conference Finals coming up tonight between Washington and Tampa Bay. If you have never watched a Game Seven in the National Hockey League, Watch tonight because you've got Tampa Bay. They're hosting Washington. The winner gets to face the story of the year in sports, the Vegas Golden Knights. And the Stanley Cup Final is going to start on Monday. Now, Vegas, get this. If the Lightning win, the series will start in Tampa. If Washington wins, Vegas We'll get home. Ice. They're going to host the first game. I don't think it matters to Vegas at this point, but this is going to be fun. I think this is going to be exciting because on the one hand, you've got Washington just won't go away. They're known for dying early. They're they're just known for not getting this far, and here they are. And then you've got Tampa Bay. Guess what? Tampa Bay, they've seen this before. They've seen they've seen this. But can they punch through? We're going to find out what happens tonight. I'm looking forward to it. I mean, third time in the past 4 years the Lightning are going to play a game 7 in the Eastern Conference Finals. And guess what? It hasn't done much for them. 2015, you remember? Tampa Bay had a 3-2 series lead against the New York Rangers, but they fell in Game 6. 2016, the Lightning were up 3-2 in the series to Pittsburgh, but they couldn't get the business taken care of. Failed to close out the series in six games. Against the Rangers, the Lightning won Game 7. So, you know, I don't feel good about that. Against the Penguins, Tampa Bay lost. So they've been in this situation. Those games have been on the road, though. So here we go. Lightning looking for a third trip to the Stanley Cup final in their franchise history. And they've got home ice. I don't know what that means for the game itself, other than the fact that you're going to have 19,000 fans cheering, rooting on the Tampa Bay Lightning. Maybe this is good for the Capitals because they're going to come in here thinking, all right, this is our time. People have doubted us all the way, didn't have much faith in us. We're going to go out there 
in a hostile environment, which we have won in already, and do it again. We're going to the Stanley Cup Final. I'm excited for this one. It's going to be fun tonight and looking forward to this. Now, while this is on, it doesn't have as much of high stakes as Game 7 does, but the Cavaliers and the Celtics are going to do it one more time. We have got Game 5 coming up tonight on our sister station, Cat Sports 93.3 and 1340. The Cavaliers took care of business at home. That's what you do. You take care of your business at home, and you try to win one on the road. So far, both teams have taken care of their business at home. Now, if Cleveland takes care of their business at home, they got to get one on the road. This might be the road game they get tonight. The Celtics, on the other hand, they don't have to worry. They can just take care of their business at home, win all four of their home games, and they're going to the championship. But Game 5 is coming up tonight again. That's going to be on our sister station, Cat Sports 93-3 and 1340, because we've got the Cincinnati Reds taking on your Pittsburgh Pirates coming up tonight. We'll have that for you with an airtime of 645. What more will the Cavaliers have to do? Because LeBron James has thrown everything he possibly can at Boston. Right now, 33.7 points per game. Nine assists per game, 8.7 rebounds per game. This is his playoff number. This is what he's been doing in the playoffs. Everybody else, and here's your starting lineup tonight projected for the Cavaliers. They're going to start with George Hill, who's averaging under 10 points a game. He's averaging 9.3. J.R. Smith is only averaging 8.9. Kevin Love, Averaging little right under 15. He's at 14.9. And Tristan Thompson, he's averaging 6.5 points per game. This is what the Cavaliers lineup is doing. And then you throw in LeBron with 33.7. So it's the LeBron James show here on the other side of this. The Celtics, double digits across the board. Double digits across the board. They're playing as a better team. Again, I think team basketball eventually is going to prevail over the Cavaliers. The Cavaliers are LeBron James and his friends. The Boston Celtics are a team. Find out tonight. We'll have it for you. That's coming up on Cat Sports 93.3 and 1340. I'm looking forward to that one as well. I'm going to be flipping back and forth, keeping an eye on both of these games. And, of course, Stanley Cup is uh, on the line tonight, at least the berth to get to the Stanley Cup with the hockey game. So I'll keep an eye on that one as well. Uh, Fortunately, we couldn't get that game for you tonight since we've got the Pirates and we've also got the Cavaliers. But a lot of good action tonight. It's a good night. It's a fun night to be a sports fan because you've got baseball. You've got baseball, so that's right there. That's, That's your standby right now. But you've got an exciting Game 5 that's going to probably determine where the series is going to go. And you've got the Game 7 in the NHL where the winner goes on, the loser goes home. Nothing more exciting about that other than a Game 7 in the Stanley Cup, a Game 7 in the Eastern or Western Conference Finals, probably the next best thing as far as really exciting hockey. When we come back from break, we're going to talk a little bit about sports betting and what it means for you and what it means so far. Doug Kazarian is going to join us. He works for ESPN, and he's going to be our guest when we continue with today's edition of The Drive. I'm your host, Paul Swan. This is ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930.
You're listening to The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. I want to welcome to the program now from ESPN, Doug Kazarian. And Doug has been on the forefront of keeping track of what's happening with the legalization of sports betting as far as betting on all the major league sports in every state across the union. He joins us now on the program. And, Doug, good talking to you. And uh, this has been a fun subject, especially here in West Virginia, a state that's sort of ahead of the curve than most of the states in the union right now. Good to be on with you guys. Thanks for having me. You're absolutely – it's definitely been a fun and exciting, I don't know, past 10 days. But obviously, as you just alluded to, West Virginia was ahead of the curve, and it's been going on for uh, a long, long time. And – it's exciting because it's uncharted territory, and that's involved in something at this sort of uh, juncture of something because no one knows what's going to happen moving forward. Anyone who does is not not exactly telling the truth. <laughs> Over the last few days, what have you seen as far as maybe any indicators of where this might go or what's going to happen on a state by state basis? Well, it's, uh, one thing that I will say is people are budging and people are moving in a different direction or at least at a different speed than we originally anticipated. Because think about it, you know, they were asked to have an opinion or a stance all based on a hypothetical. What if the federal ban is overturned? Well, we never knew it was 100 percent. We all thought that that was a projection. but You don't know something for sure until it actually happens. Well, once it does, People start realizing, hey, there's an opportunity here. Maybe they have some other influences, and they start to proceed accordingly. And it's um, it's really interesting to see. So people weren't necessarily lying or whatever. People are allowed to change their mind, and you're seeing some states take a little bit more aggressive approach than they had originally suggested they would. Now, West Virginia, as we just mentioned, ahead of the curve here, so there's already walls on the books, and they're still trying to figure out exactly how to implement everything. So I'm sure we're going to hear more. But there was some discussion of the integrity fee. A lot of the sports leagues are wanting to get a piece of the action here and trying to convince states like West Virginia to maybe let us in on it a little bit. We have an integrity fee. We've got to make sure that everything stays on the up and up. Uh, what are you hearing on that front as far as their efforts to try to maybe get a little bit more of the action here? Well, we know the leagues want it, but what's fascinating about all of this is that they don't have any leverage. And, you know, they can say they want it and they use the term integrity fee, which is actually insulting to those in the sports betting industry because they don't really need more. Like, they monitor this. It's a very up-and-up thing. There's Yes, there's always going to be an underbelly of this business, but, like, um, you know, this is this is well regulated, so I just think the term integrity fee sort of rubs the sports betting community the wrong way. But there is, while there is no leverage on the part of the, the league, there is an incentive and reason rationale behind cooperating with the league. And you're seeing that West Virginia, like you mentioned, it's it's everybody can cooperate and coexist and give them a slice of the pie, and in turn you get advertising space and other things like that. Because just because something may be legal doesn't mean the leagues are definitely going to be on board and definitely going to open their arms and to the sports betting world. Like, for example, Roger Goodell, while this could be legal in 50 states, who's to say he's going to even want a sports betting advertising in, his, in commercials or on the Jumbotron. So something can exist, but doesn't mean you have to embrace it. So that's why I think it's, a, it's in everybody's best interest to cooperate and give them a slice of the pie. Yeah, I'm with you as far as the, the whole integrity fee because – as I follow this over the years, and you're you're way ahead of it than I am, but if I know one thing is, if there's something that's kind of not right, we're going to find out about it. And now that it's going to be available across, you know, every everybody's going to have this now. I'm sure we're going to have a system that is pretty much already in place to let us know that all right, there's something not right here, and I don't think the integrity of the game is really going to be corrupted because betting is available. Well, let's go back to Tim Donaghy, right? Like, he wasn't doing that in Nevada, right? Like, it was all illegally, underground, sports books, and all that nonsense. So, and they're still going to exist. And so the integrity, I mean, like, it's not like if it was legal in a bunch of states, they would have they would have caught Donaghy ahead of time. Like, no, like, it's going to happen. Stuff like nonsense like that is going to happen anyway. So might as well have the above-board stuff and the clean stuff and have more our bio eyeballs regulating it like nevada wants 
clean play, right? They don't want funny business. They want true games and all that good stuff. So the more like states that have authorities regulating the betting and monitoring what's coming in over the counter, so to speak, that can only help the integrity of the leagues. They don't need to be an extra sort of committee by the NFL to monitor NFL funny business. Like if they already want it, they're already invested in that outcome. Also, something that I don't know how this is going to affect other states, but it's been fun. If you, I don't know how close you've been following West Virginia, but our governor uh, here in the state has um, made some outlandish statements, talked about the integrity fee. We've got a done deal. The casinos were not so fast. But part of that was there would be some kickback to the two Division One schools in the state, Marshall and West Virginia. Do you see that as something that's going to happen in the future where the colleges are maybe going to get a piece of this action as well? And just to follow that up, I know talking to um, some on the inside here and listening to some of the comments of Marshall Athletic Director Mike Hamrick, he said it's going to cost a lot more for compliance. I don't know what that cost would be and what it's going to take to to satisfy that, but I just that's where maybe I'm trying to figure out what kind of cost would he be talking about as far as the college side of this to try to, I guess, stay above board. Well, I think that's the thing. It's just about cooperation. I mean, I think that's what it, that's what it all comes down to. Like, I, I have been tracking the West Virginia situation, and while the league don't have leverage, they are on board with you know playing nice. I mean, that's essentially what this is because you don't want to make an enemy with the with the professional leagues. They have because here's the thing: the sports betting community needs licenses in order to book bets, right? Well, the in order to get licenses, you have to be get them from the state. Well, the state officials are invested in being in good graces with the league. So that is why they want to just all play nice, all get along, all get a slice of the pie. Now, they might play hardball and negotiate some of the exact terms, but I think it, I think it's in everyone's best interest to, to have a little, to just all get along and give share, share the wealth. Do you see this as going to be more of a, a situation where instead of me just going to my casino place in a bet this is definitely going to be digitally driven here in the next few years absolutely it has to be it just has to be that simple because it's 2018 what are we doing right like i know new jersey had to do that because of the horse tracks lawyers paying for all the legal fees but all in all like no one is going to want to drive in traffic to go place a bet you want to do it from the comfort of your home or wherever and that's the only way you're going to get large handle which is total money bet and make this worthwhile for all the other licensing fees and that. So it has to be easy and has to be done conveniently with the uh, for the better. Do you see this as a uh, as an opportunity as well for more players, not just necessarily in West Virginia, but we might see a sort of national betting? Hey, where's this all going? Because, again, this is still so new. Right, and, and no one really knows for sure. But so right now it's on a state-by-state level, but I know Adam Silver and the other commissioners want this federally done, and that's what makes it easier and cleaner. Um, and we could see it head that way. Like I, It certainly seems like the logical solution, but right now the Supreme Court says it's a state-by-state issue. You guys figure it out within your own state and your own appetite within that state. And obviously some states are going to take a more aggressive approach, like we talked about, West Virginia specifically. And then other states like Utah are just totally not not interested. So, again, it's to each their own. They're letting people be adults. And that's what was so bizarre about this federal ban. It was not only constitutionally illegal, but it was just stupid when we have, like, state lotteries and all this other nonsense going on. Doug Kazarian is joining us from ESPN. So, Doug, for you now, this is going to make, I guess, Sports Center. This is going to make uh, everything you do at the network maybe a little bit more interesting because you've now got this added tool or at least this uh, added content because, let's face it, you know, we're all going to be interested in things like this since we now can all participate. Well, that's the thing, and how much of it. I don't think it's going to be overwhelming and saturating our, our marketplace. I don't think it's going to be completely obnoxious. Um, for example, like it's not going to be like the entire Monday Night Football broadcast. It's going to be about the point spread. I just think it's going to take on the um, feel of fantasy to a certain extent. And then beyond that, you know, we'll see. Um, there might be some more immediacy and there'll be some maybe different graphics during the broadcast. But 
you know, everyone's going to crawl before they can walk. And then from that point, see where we go. But this is not going to be a huge shock to the system. If you're not into it, it's definitely not going to be smothered by it. I'm interested in how it's going to affect the, the, the average fan who maybe just watches a game. And I'll give you an example. A couple years ago, uh, I'm up in Cincinnati at a Cincinnati Bengals game with a friend of mine, and he just could not stop checking his, um, his FanDuel. I believe it was a FanDuel app. Just playing fantasy football. Could not just stop doing that. How much do you see of that that real time Twitter feed feel now? Where you know we've got a comment on everything what's going on, but now is it going to make that field goal five dollar bet? How much do you think that eventually we're going to see in the digital domain of of sports betting like that? Well, that's that's the million dollar question. I, I it's everywhere right now digitally. Just so you know, like people who bet with local bookies don't call their old school guy and picks up the phone. It's all done like through the websites offshore and then local bookies can pay them to do it all. It's kind of like silent investors. So everyone who bets on games has the app, has the computer software and just does it and enjoys it or whatever. So I just don't know if there's going to be a huge difference in everything, um, at least short term. And I mean, the next three to five years, like I don't think there's going to be a huge change. I really don't. Have you seen any pushback? And if so, where is that coming from? Because for me, this this feels like it's just a natural progression. As, as you mentioned earlier, finally, we're seeing everyone being able to be an adult here. And if you want to do this, great. If not, but have you seen any pushback or at least any negative comments on this? Well, yeah. I mean, of course, like there's going to be um, like the people who subscribe to the stigma and all that, which is kind of nonsense, right? Um, and just the fact that, you know, they just are people are like a degenerate behavior, all this nonsense, even though they're probably betting on stocks that they don't know anything about. Right. Like while they while they while they eat their fast food and drink a beer and, and, and play the stock market when they really should do it recklessly, they're going to pass judgment on this. I mean, it's all the same. Right. It's a different sort of vice. And it's just each their own. And, you know, the backlash is people. Now, Gary Bettman said something sort of interesting about a year ago. He said, you know. It is going to change like the next generation. Kids are going to grow up knowing that sports can be more about just the purity of like who's going to win or lose this game. And But aren't we already there with fantasy, right? Like he, he just talked about, and I'll concede that, like, yeah, a kid, an eight-year-old may know more about a point spread now in the next couple of years than we did as a kid or than I did as a kid per se. But like, I mean, that's where we are. Like, you know, contracts, free agency has changed things too, right? We see the way everything's more of a commodity in sports. So, like, the whole purity of the game, that, that's already changed. Doug Kazarian is joining us from ESPN. He covers betting and discusses gambling, of course, on SportsCenter. You also have um, your own podcast, Behind the Bets. What's that about? So maybe if uh, those of us who are excited about the fact that, okay, we can bet legally now and just don't want to go into this blindly, what do you discuss about the gaming industry on your podcast? Yeah, basically we talk about, obviously, the, the court rulings and everything has had an interesting thing with the sports betting industry. So we'll, we've talked about that. And we, you know, we'll also handicap games. And we we broke we just posted a new podcast this week and we talked about the Celtics and the Warriors series and what's going on there. But uh, we're definitely going to have more co- similar content moving forward um, on all of our ESPN platforms. Like, obviously, with the federal ban being lifted, we can definitely have more, um, you know, we have more free reign there given that the uh, stigma and all that is starting to erode. And I think um, we all, um, well, just a few years ago, couldn't imagine something like this ever happening. And now it, you're, you're right. It just feels like it's accepted. Everyone's doing it anyway. We're just now out in the open with it. And it's, um, I don't know if this is going to be the, as you mentioned, I don't want to run to the casino. I don't want to drive the casino to do this. And I don't know if it's going to drive tourism, but with the digital apps and everything, I think this is going to be, for those who jump on board early, really a, a nice influx of cash. Yeah, I mean, look, to each their own. And it's just one thing that's already been going on. It's not like last Monday they invented this, right? They didn't invent point spreads. Not, they didn't say, hey, I got an idea. Let's uh, let's put a, put some way to gamble on these games. Like, it's, it's already been going on. So, like, some of this is just going to be a substitution effect. The money that was being bet illegally is not going to be bet legally. And then there's going to be a, a little bit of a transition for, like you mentioned, the broadcast team and other such. Um, go from there. 
Doug, we'll be uh, keeping an eye on everything. Um, Behind the Bets is the podcast, and of course, uh, you do a lot on ESPN.com. Also, um, you on radio on days that uh, we are not preempting you with uh, Marshall football. Uh, you're part of College yeah. Game Day on ESPN Radio, and uh, that's got to be one of the best jobs in the in America. Just follow college football on a Saturday and talk about it. It's fantastic. It's one of those uh, rare opportunities in, in, in life, it's a professional life, where you get out what you put in. So the more you prep, the more you invest, the more you can really reward yourself on air. And you know the drug of being on air is unlike anything else. So it's just a lot of fun. It's a really special special uh, gig and opportunity for me. Doug, looking forward to everything. Thanks for joining us, and I appreciate your insights on everything. My pleasure, my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. As Doug Kazarian from ESPN. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, come back, and uh, I'm going to get Chuck caught up on uh, John Elmore's odyssey in the NBA. How's he doing, and uh, where's he at right now? Do you think he's coming back to Marshall? We'll talk about that when we continue on The Drive here on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 
Now, back to The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. John Elmore, is he going to stay? Is he going to go? That's the question that we all ask ourselves as we hope that he's staying. But if the NBA is uh, tempting enough, he might stay eligible. That was one of the questions that was asked to him earlier today here. Guess what? Um, I'm not sure where he's going right now. So yesterday, John got to work out with the Denver Nuggets, and he got asked a lot of questions and concerning where he's going to go, if he's going to stick around, and he's going to you know, put his name in the hat, keep it there, or is he going to come back to college? Uh, but this is year two for him. So John was asked um, about as far as how things are going this year. Here's his response to that. Uh, last year, I didn't have a whole lot of workouts. Um, got some feedback from scouts. Uh, heard, of, heard of some things I could approve, uh, especially on my body, cutting body fat, getting stronger, stuff like that. But this year, I've had more workouts. Um, got to do a lot of drills, one-on-one, three-on-three with these guys at a pretty high level with scouts and GMs and coaches watching. So uh, I'm enjoying the process. Uh, basketball is what I love to do, so I'm just having fun with it. If he comes back to Marshall, I think this is still the best thing for him because he's eligible right now. Didn't sign with an agent, so he doesn't have to worry about if he changes his mind. You know, is he going to not uh, be able to go back to college? That's not an issue. But I think right now, the thing he's looking for, if he is coming back, he's looking for feedback, and that's what's given, being given to him right now. Uh, it was a lot of positive stuff. Uh, they were happy with how I came out and competed, uh, performed today. Um, I was happy with it. So when I leave here today, there's not anything I regret. Uh, I gave it 100% and felt like I showed pretty well. So uh, hopefully they think pretty highly of me. Now, one thing that's benefited John Elmore this year as opposed to helped. last year is the fact that John has a little bit no- more notoriety. The one thing that has benefited John the most is the fact that he was on national TV, he was in the NCAA tournament, Marshall beat Wichita State. I think that opened up a lot of people's eyes. All of a sudden, there's a lot of attention for John Elmore. And the question that was asked to him yesterday was, how much did Wichita State, that game, change everything for you? I think it helped a lot uh, just being on national TV, uh, playing against the elite team, elite guys that are in the draft. Um, but. Uh, that's what we've done all year. Um, Marshall doesn't get the most recognition because we're not in the biggest conference and we're not the biggest school in the country. But uh, I like how we stack up against anybody. We got a chance on the, the main stage to show what we can do, and I think we uh, showed everybody a glimpse of what we're capable of. And I hope that's what it is, a glimpse of what they're capable of because I'm excited for the fact that if John comes back, CJ's coming back already. You're bringing in some talented kids. Also, you've got some guys that are on that squad already who have gone through this. This should be a good year coming up for Dan D'Antoni, but you got to have John come back. Now, speaking of coming back, John was asked the question is it tough to get into that mindset that you're trying to be a pro, but then you got to go back to school? Now, he hasn't made that decision yet, but here's his thoughts on that. My whole, my whole life has been basketball. My dad played, my grandpa played, my brother plays. Um, so my whole life's been grinding playing basketball. So uh, any chance I get to get out on the court and play, uh, I tell people all the time, if I go pro, you wouldn't even have to pay me. So uh, don't tell agents that or family members. But uh, that's just how much I like being on the court, being around ball every day. So uh, if I get a chance to be in the gym, I'm taking it. So that's what I love to do. John, 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 don't do for free what they'll pay you to do. Don't do that. Don't do that. So, he's getting a lot of attention. People are are interested in him. And one thing that keeps coming back is the fact that he's playing for a coach who has been in the NBA, plays more of a modern style of basketball. So, John was asked the question, how do you like playing in that Dan D'Antoni system? Uh, It was a dream come true. Uh, My favorite team growing up was Steve Nash and Amari Stoudemire playing with the Phoenix Suns. So uh, playing for the guy that coached some of them, uh, we run similar stuff to them. We run similar stuff to Houston and Golden State. So playing in that pro system I think has helped me a lot, especially in some of the workouts so far. And uh, I wouldn't trade that system for the world. I think that's really helped him as far as getting his game ready for the NBA. Now, again, he hasn't committed yet to the NBA fully. He hasn't made the decision to stay or come back. He's going to probably take it till the very last day, get as much as he can out of this, get invited by teams, do some workouts. But 
he's got a great education right now. And he was asked, hey, how does college compare to the pace and space? Everyone talks about the pace and space of the NBA. How does that compare? Here's John's reply. Uh, I think it's quite a bit behind. I think it's gravitating in that direction, though. Uh, more, um, more things you read, you see teams are starting to space more, um, starting to play similar styles to those at the uh, NBA level. I think we're one of the first ones to do it with D'Antoni kind of bringing it to college. Uh, and I think it's beneficial to us because we create a lot of mismatches. We keep constant spacing. So everything you see the Rockets doing, the Warriors doing, uh, we run a lot of their plays. So it's funny to see. And finally, the big question itself. What will it take for you to stay in this time, then go back to school? Here's what John said. Uh, just hearing the right things. Um, had a couple workouts, got some good feedback. So uh, I guess keep uh, testing the waters, seeing what people are saying. At the end of the day, I think the last day to do it is May 30th. So uh, make an educated decision by then, talk to the family and figure it all out. I don't think it's going to hurt John to – stay one more year at Marshall, but at the same time, if there is that opportunity, if it's a serious opportunity, I can't make that decision for him. No one can but John. But if everyone's talking to him like, you know, you could go one, you could go two, you might want to take that opportunity. I don't know if he goes one or two. I can't handicap that. But he's going to make the NBA. I think he's going to make the NBA somehow. I... Hope he comes back, finishes that year at Marshall, breaks all kinds of crazy records, takes the Thundering Herd back to the Conference USA Championship, wins that, gets him back in the NCAA tournament, wins a game. Hey, get another game, win another one of those, get this thing rolling, and then jump in, see where the NBA takes you. I don't know if there's an advantage to this year over next year for him. If, okay, you've got to go now or risk it, because, of course, there's always that risk that you go back to college, you don't have a good year, injury, all of that. We'll find out here in a few days. I think a lot of people are. It's not the Ideen Penavis situation where Ideen just said earlier, hey, I'm going to focus on getting into the NBA. And I'm going to do that elsewhere because I think I'm going to have a better shot of going to the next level if I'm somewhere else. I'm doing this full-time. I'm working out. I'm in facilities. I think that's the best opportunity for me. John, I think he's doing it a different way. This is a fact-finding mission for him. He's going in, working out, seeing what it takes to play at that next level, working out with some really high-caliber athletes who a lot of them are going to the NBA and a lot are going to come back. But I think John's been really smart about this, how he's gone about it. Didn't sign an agent. Same thing with C.J. Burks. C.J. Burks went in, probably got enough of what he needed to know, and decided, okay, I'm going to come back. I'm going to play another year at Marshall. Great for him. And the thing with John is he's at that point where he could probably go, stay, and, and take a shot here, or he could still come back. And if he does come back, I think he's going to have a great college season. He's going to come back and – this Thundering Herd team is going to be loaded and ready to go. They're going to be fun. They're going to be a contender for the conference championship. And I think John is a guy that understands that, appreciates the fact that if I go back to Marshall, I could do something there. My name's going to be in lights because I'm going to break some records. They're not going to forget me anytime soon. Maybe I'll have another opportunity to win the conference championship. I like the team that I've got coming back. We've got a lot of talent. We'll get to the NCAA tournament. Maybe we can make some noise there again and do some special things here. And then maybe, just maybe, they put me on the Marshall Mount Rushmore, and then I get to go to the NBA. I mean, maybe he's thinking about that stuff. Maybe I'm just thinking about that stuff for him. Because already, after Marshall won against Wichita State, there were a lot of you who were willing to start a GoFundMe campaign to get the John Elmore statue up. First things first, got to get the Hal Greer statue up first. Then we'll get the John Elmore statue. we got to figure out where we're putting the Elmore statue. We're putting the Hal Greer statue somewhere along Hal Greer Boulevard. We know that. we just got to figure out now where the Elmore statue is going to go. And, of course, if Elmore gets a statue, Pennington's going to need a statue. 
There's, there's going to be a lot of statues going on here as far as the Hurt fans are concerned. Moss is going to need a statue. Pennington will need that statue, definitely. I think we give, um, maybe we can give Leftwich a, um, a bust. I don't know. Ease him into the stat. I mean, because this could get expensive after a while. We'll take your phone calls, 877-420-TALK, 877-420-8255. I'm your host, Paul Swan. This is The Drive on ESPN, 94.1 FM and AM 930. Don't worry, Paul Swan has the wheel on The Drive, ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. So the Thundering Herd, according to uh, John Rothstein from CBS Sports, Thundering Herd's going to be playing Virginia, part of the 2018-19 non-conference schedule. So Virginia, a team that a lot of people 
lost their bracket on day one when Virginia, the first ever one seed to lose an NCAA opening round game against the 16. Marshall, on the other hand, beating Wichita State. So maybe it's a good ad for Virginia. I like where Marshall's going here. You know, Virginia's a school that's close. In the grand scheme of things, Marshall should maybe be interacting with Virginia a little bit more. So you've got that that was uh, out today. I like the scheduling. Dan D'Antoni don't care. He'll go play anybody. As long as this team gets what they need out of it and they can win Conference USA, they're fine. But I really like that. So uh, that was what uh, this morning had for us as far as the herd basketball team. And if Elmore comes back, even better. I mean, Elmore might look at this non-conference and go, you know, I, I, I want to do this NBA theme, but that that's a pretty good non-conference here. That's pretty solid so far. Non-conference schedule for the Thundering Herd. Featuring Virginia, I mean, Maryland. Got, the, what, Duquesne's on it? Hey, the Bobcats, I love the Bobcats as well. So that's where the Thundering Herd's at as far as their scheduling concerned. Of course, everything is unofficial until somebody sends out an official release for the Thundering Herd going to be playing the Virginia Cavaliers. It's a good pickup, I think, for Marshall. It's a good get. You take a game like that. I know it's probably um, a money game or a, a one, but you take a game like that. You take a game from a, a school that has – um, really a high presence in college basketball. You, you will take that game now and then. So on the media news landscape today, a couple of things that piqued my interest. First of all, pretty sad to hear uh, Cox Media shutting down some of their websites. And I don't know how many of you frequent Land of Ten, SEC country, but Cox Media Group is going to be shutting down a lot of their properties they're laying off site staffers, and this came out today. So Big Ten site, Land of Ten is going away. SEC site, SEC country, and they've got a general college sports site. I didn't visit that as much. Diehards. They're also getting rid of, and they've already done this, their NFL site, All 22. They did that last year. So on the outside, a lot of people thought, okay, these sites are pretty good. They're doing okay. But – Apparently, maybe that's not the case. These are sites where you're not going to SEC country this time of year unless you're a baseball fan. I went to SEC country. I checked out some of their stuff. You're going to SEC country and, and land of 10. You're going there because you're going to follow Big Ten football or SEC football or SEC basketball. And I think what they're trying to do, and, and I hate they're going to lose a lot of staffers and a lot of, a lot of workers here, but I think they're trying to just condense. And you hate that. I hate consolidation never done anything for anybody. It's terrible. So that's going away. And at the same time, ESPN's dropping $1.5 billion to the UFC. Just depositing crazy cash for five years because they want to be where you see the UFC. Now, they had a streaming deal they came arrangement with a couple of weeks ago because ESPN's trying to create content for ESPN+. Plus. Now ESPN, we want more. So here you go, more cash. Now here are some reports today coming out from The Hollywood Reporter, also sports business journals on this, that ESPN outbid Fox. This has been one of the mainstay programs for Fox now. But ESPN outbid Fox for full UFC broadcast rights. So now, you want to watch MMA, you want to watch UFC, ESPN is going to be your first destination. ESPN is going to pay $1.5 billion over five years. They already dropped um, $750 million for streaming rights plus another $750 million for linear ones. So that's $300 million per year. That's what it breaks down to. That is an increase from the $115 million Fox paid annually as part of their existing deal. Now, who won here? Because ESPN's getting UFC. I don't know how much upside the UFC has. Who are the superstars right now? Conor McGregor? 
that's about it as far as your superstars. But ESPN sees this as something that has a lot of upside. Now, they're going to be able to, according to the reports, broadcast 10 full events on linear TV. That's basically you tune in. There it is. Plus, they're going to have 12 pay-per-view prelims. They're going to have 20 events on ESPN+. Plus. That's going to be 42 events. UFC wisely, of course, will retain rights to their 12 pay-per-view events. That's smart. Fox has had the rights to this thing since uh, 2011. But, guess what? You dropped the, what, a billion on the WWE? Maybe you drop more on the UFC. I don't know who wins this deal because Fox dropping cash, and we haven't seen the official deal yet, but Fox reportedly dropping a billion on the WWE. That means I get to watch SmackDown on Fox. I don't know what kind of secondary other programming you're going to have here, but I get to watch SmackDown on Fox. Friday night's probably where it's going. SmackDown on Friday night on Fox. Two hours of SmackDown. Now, you're getting that for 52 weeks. Five years, 52 weeks. It's going to always be there, right? Now, this is a great deal for the WWE because they get all of this cross-promotion on NFL programming and everything else that Fox has. There's going to be a lot of cross-promotion. That's a great deal for them. They're going to get a lot more for their money here with this. But UFC, all of a sudden, they're going to be on ESPN. And what's the story of the day on ESPN? It's usually what's on ESPN. And yes, I know ESPN has lost subscribers. A lot of people are cutting the cord. But it's still ESPN. It's still the prime destination for sports. And maybe they're going to lure some people in on their streaming platform. It's a possibility. We're going to thank our producer today, Gabriel Sellers. Appreciate him. I'm your host, Paul Swan. I'm going to be back tomorrow. We'll do it all over again here on The Drive, ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Good night, everyone. station.